Hello and welcome back to another edition of Problematic Women, a podcast and Facebook live show that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of liberal feminists. My name is Kelsey Harkness and I'm a senior reporter and news producer with The Daily Signal and I am so happy to have my co-host Brie Payton of The Federalist back from the Holy Land. Brie, welcome back. Thanks so much. It's good to be back. I'm a little jet lagged, but hanging in there. We're also joined by a very special guest today, Katie Freitas, managing editor of Olympic Media, who we've been excited to feature on the show for some time now. Katie. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, we're excited. Super excited. We've got a lot to cover this week. Since you've been in Israel, Brie, a lot has happened leading (laughs) into our first segment called That Happen, a segment where we talk about some of the more ridiculous and often hypocritical news stories of the week. Kicking it off, of course, we have to begin with the fallout from the 2018 Golden Globe Awards on Sunday. So to state the obvious, all the women, most of the women, wore black on on the red carpet. Uh, They were called brave for doing so. Wearing black to stand in solidarity, solidarity and send a message to to women and, and men in the country that sexual harassment and assault is not okay. What a message to come from the same group of people who actually have enabled this type of behavior to happen time and time again. Uh, some of these people have been accused of actually covering it up themselves. And I guess this is their attempt to uh, reckon that. What do you both think? I don't understand why. If you really wanted to send a message, why wouldn't you just not go? Right. Say, no, I'm not supporting yeah. this industry in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go, I don't know, get dinner or have a drink or stay at home or whatever. Like That would send so much more of a powerful message to look out in an audience that has no women in it than to just wear black. Well, and that's part of the problem, too, is that they can't or they think that they can't really do that, right? That's, that's the entire reason why we have rampant sexual abuse, rampant sexual assault uh, among women and powerful men feel like they're unable to do that because women, at the end of the day, they don't want to lose their seat at the table, which I think is understandable to some degree. But I do think you're right that that would have been a much more powerful statement to boycott uh, the Golden Globes altogether. But like the Angelina Jolies, the people who are at the top, like you don't get yeah. higher than where they are, like... Who could really harm them? Why? I, I just feel like it's like, don't go. Make that statement. No one's not going to put Angelina Jolie in a movie because she didn't show up. Like, yeah, that's 100% true. And the response from the press, I would say, made it all the more worse because reading the news headlines, you'd think these celebrities made such a sacrifice and were so <laughs> brave for wearing black. I couldn't help but point out, well, guess what? In countries like Saudi Arabia, where women actually don't have any rights, they're wearing black every day because they're forced to uh, by law. And of course, during the show, they didn't make one mention of the protests in Iran, where women there are still protesting on the street, uh, some of them ripping off their hijabs uh, to protest that they want freedom similar right. to ours. But of course, liberal ho- Hollywood can only look at issues that affect themselves and attempt to make right. a statement on it. And of course, it's good. I don't want to condemn them for trying to stop sexual assault, sexual harassment, but I think it's just really hard for the everyday American to connect with them when we all know the culture that they have created has in many ways enabled this behavior to happen. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, I think 
I do think you have a point in that the feminist movement in America is rather insular. It and a only lot of cares times, about America. Right. And it, it, oftentimes those completely get ignored. I mean, in Saudi Arabia, women just barely earn the right to be able to drive legally. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm sure they are still going to face harassment uh, and difficulties from law enforcement right. over there. And the struggle is not over for them, right, in so many ways. Um, So I do think you bring up a great point in that women globally, uh, their issues are completely ignored by Hollywood feminists. Um, and I think that that's another example of that issue, right? They're willing, they're so quick to talk about this because it's like the hot thing to talk about. But anything outside of that specific thing uh, just gets ignored. And even the way that they're protesting it is like, I don't know. It, it kind of makes you question how serious they are about this. Right, like how much do you actually care if the only time you say something is when something's hot in the news? Like you'll get the Twitter take and the Facebook take, but serious issues in like Saudi Arabia, Iran, everywhere else, like it's an ongoing persistent oppression of women's rights, but it's not the hot thing on Twitter, so no one cares. And all the women at the Golden Globes were wearing a pin that said, time is up. And Yeah, you guys have to explain so this brave. to me because I was so gone. Brave. I was overseas. I totally missed it. Well, so what's the hashtag? What's the legal fund? That's what I wanted to do in this segment, actually explain what hashtag time is up means because I actually mm-hmm. don't think these these celebrities did a good job communicating it. So what time is up is supposed to be is a legal defense fund for women in the workplace who need to file lawsuits uh, against sexual harassers and or men or women who commit sexual assault. But what's a little ironic about this is we know Rose McGowan, who was, um, a lot of people have called her patient zero, Mm -hmm. the first celebrity to speak up about Harvey Weinstein. Perhaps we wouldn't be talking about all this today had she not um, blowed the whistle on him. And uh, she says she might, she's saying, we haven't been able to verify this, but she's saying she has to sell her house because of the mounting legal fees she faces because of her decision to speak out and call out Harvey Weinstein. And she called the Time Is Up movement fake. Uh, She actually tweeted um, that the agency, the PR agency behind the Time Is Up movement has actually been one of the uh, groups enabling people like Harvey Weinstein. So there's a lot of infighting going on this movement, and I don't think that comes as a surprise. So is, I have a question, is this legal defense fund only for women who are suing their bosses for sexual harassment, or is it just like harassment in general? Do you guys know if there's, has, have they clarified that at all, or is it still just really murky? As you said, a lot of the details are murky about how it's going to be funded, and a lot of the people involved seem to enable past abuses so it just seems kind of like this swampy, murky thing. It almost, right, thing. swampy is what it makes me think of, is it almost makes me worry that this is something that has good intentions, but is going to yeah. be set up so poorly and maintained so poorly that people are going to dump a bunch of money into something and you're going to have no accountability of what women it's actually helping. Is it helping women? It's just like a in-the-moment knee-jerk, like, we're going to do this thing, but there's no actual tangible follow-up on yeah I, I guess what i'm wondering too is how do they decide 
which women they're going to fund and which ones they don't, right? And is there room for some discrimination in that? I'm wondering, what if I went forward and decided to sue someone who denied me an opportunity to do something because of my political beliefs? Is that something that would be within their wheelhouse or not? I think that a lot of that... We, also, what's a lot the of standard of evidence, right? That's like, another... We, there, yeah. There's been issues where, you know, the moment someone's accused, they're instantaneously and forever guilty just based on the fact that they were accused. Right. And it would be a concern to me potentially that what would be the threshold of evidence necessary for them to say, okay, clearly you have a case here. Someone did harass you. Someone did assault you. Someone did do something that wasn't okay. Like, we're going to pursue this and help you out. I'm, I, don't know. I can't help but be reminded uh, back to the start of the Women's March, where when this idea came together, it was supposed to be this unifying organization by women for women, and we were all supposed to agree with it and support it. And surprise, surprise, um, over the next few months, we actually started to learn about what policies they supported, and women became very divided on that. And I think um, this the same thing could happen with this Time's Up movement, where mm-hmm. we you, you both are right in raising good questions. We don't know that much about it. I'm looking at their website right now, and it's very vague. Of course, it sounds good, and when you're vague, we all want to support these kinds of things, but it, when, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty policy uh, laws and enforcement, what you actually are doing and supporting to further this position, I think women are going to be divided, and we're going to be having yet another conversation similar to the one that we're still having surrounding the Women's March. Uh, but I, we do have a lot to talk about with the Golden Globe. So I, I have to bring up Oprah. You, All right. You, you might have been in Israel, but you had to. I heard have that. Heard of I'm also Oprah. like an Oprah super fan. I don't know if you guys know this. I've seen like every episode of the Oprah show. Like jump on from, her couch, super fan. Uh, like yeah. Like if I was if I was on her show, I'd probably just like be weeping the entire time. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm pretty. I'm not gonna lie. I'm pretty excited about her stepping up and uh, everyone kind of clamoring around her. I think this is really fun. Um, At the same time, however, I just know, I just know I'm going to disagree with like every policy position that she has. (laughs) So I'm a little bit like, oh, I'm happy that She's kind of back in the spotlight. We're talking about her again. I'm happy that she's raising the level of discourse that we've seen in the presidential arena for the past like five years. Um, But at the same time, I know I'm probably going to disagree with every single policy issue that she has. So I'm kind of like, I'm excited, but I know this is going to ruin Oprah for me forever. Okay, so I thought that she gave, you know, a very stirring speech, but I thought she didn't actually like say anything. Uh, it was yes. just it was just a bunch of media outlets conflating what she said to mean that she's run she's considering running and then everyone took off with it and i think her pr person actually released a statement saying this was from oprah herself saying i have no intention to run and you kind of sit there and it's like well so is this just the left wing desperation for a candidate that like someone gave a great speech and so you're like oh my gosh that must mean that they're running for president no I'm thinking that she I think it was strategic and I think her team really? shopped it oh 100% yeah. and her team like got people to whisper about it I mean did you mm-hmm. see that statement from Stedman where he was mm-hmm. like oh she would do it like if the people took her if this the is people wanted her yeah this is like 100% a she strategic would make the move sacrifice. so they're being intentionally aloof with all of like letting yeah. the media run with it 100 percent and i think whether or not we'll see Mm -hmm. that she it 
she sets up an exploratory committee and this comes to fruition, that remains to be seen. I think that she could be taking advantage of this moment in order to promote something or sell something. I just which I is don't want fine. this to be like the new era of billionaires running for president like like, i'm a celebrity i've done a bunch of philanthropic activities people know who i am i'm worth a lot of money i'm gonna be president like that's not how that works yeah well let's play a brief clip from her speech because i assume a lot of people have heard it but i have a feeling that some of our fans of this podcast maybe boycott or protest these types of events uh these types of shenanigans so let's have our producer lauren play a clip from her speech watching here and now to know that a new day is on the horizon. And when that new day finally dawns, it will be because of a lot of magnificent women, many of whom are right here in this room tonight, and some pretty phenomenal men fighting hard to make sure that they become the leaders who take us to the time when nobody ever has to say, me too, again. Thank you. All right, so look, Oprah is a pretty phenomenal speaker. Uh, She sent a very good message that I think resonated with a lot of men and women on Sunday night. But one person her message did not resonate with was Seal, the singer Seal. Um, On Instagram, he wrote about Oprah's speech with uh, a, a picture. Oh, I forgot. That's right. You heard the rumors, but you had no idea he was actually... He, as in Harvey Weinstein, um, there's a picture of Oprah and Harvey Weinstein next to each other, Oprah hugging Har- Harvey Weinstein. Um, so so Seal is alleging that you, Oprah, had no idea that he, Harvey Weinstein, was actually serial assaulting young starry-eyed actresses who, in turn, had no idea what they were getting into. My bad. So for a big-name celebrity to call out publicly Oprah, a figure who is beloved by the country if not the world is a pretty big deal and pretty damning in my opinion i don't know i mean okay i harvey weinstein a lot of what he did and what he how he preyed upon women was kind of an open secret right a, a lot they of people joked knew that about he was, it at awards ceremonies yeah like he was a gross guy but yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe she knew, oh, that he's gross and you should stay away from him. But maybe she didn't know that, you know, to the extent of what exactly he did. Does but that so make my sense? my question is, if you're one of the most powerful women in the world and you know in some way that a man is preying upon young women and even if it's and, just rumors, and you do nothing, even you, if it's just rumors, it's just rumors, you don't decide to like check that out and see what's going on. It baffles my mind that it seemed that there were so many powerful women in Hollywood and in media that in some way knew about this and just did nothing. I just I want to see women in powerful places who are taking that power and using it to help women who are more vulnerable. And I don't feel like we see that a lot. We see, you know, inspiring speeches. She's a great orator. That was an excellent speech. But speeches are nice. But do things. You have the ability to impact young women, and I just feel like I don't see tangible results happening from powerful women. It's it's all about women becoming powerful, 
not having the powerful women then turn around and help other women. Yeah, I see your point. I mean, she's also set up a foundation in Ethiopia to help mm-hmm. young. I'm, I'm not, sorry. I'm not, no, no, no. Just went let there. me say. Okay, let me say. Brie, I'm not saying that she has not done a lot of good. She absolutely has. She I gives just, out free cars. Of course, she's done good. <laughs> <laughs> but couldn't weren't the cars taken away from some people because they like couldn't pay the taxes on them or something? <laughs> oh my gosh, probably. That's why you should They're never. Expensive. If you ever get an item from a game show and you have the option to like receive the item or take the cash equivalent of that oh, item, cash money. always take yeah. the cash because you're gonna have to pay taxes on that and it's like the game show tax is crazy I think it's like between 40 and 50 percent if I'm remembering correctly but Brie, I, just, I do want to say those game shows that I go on I do want to say that I agree with you that it, it, she has done a lot of good and I'm not of trying course. to say I'm not trying to undermine the good things she's done in her life no and I, I understand your point that okay I think if she did know the full extent of what Weinstein was doing then she should have said something and should have spoken out. However, I think we've heard a lot of women saying, oh, I knew he was gross and that people should stay away from him. Uh, but I didn't really know what exactly it How was deep about that the went. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I'm trying to think in my life, like, I know a lot of people who people say that person you should stay away from and I don't know details and I don't ask details about it. So it's like if we're going to hold someone else to that standard then I think we should hold ourselves to the same standard. And you don't want to of course open up the like witch hunts being the new thing. So maybe she knew something but was like I don't I don't really know the full extent of what's going on here. I've heard rumors that he's a gross individual and didn't want to open up a witch hunt. I think that that's reasonable, and I think that that's fine. Also, I don't want to seem like it was such a—obviously, this—you don't want to make it seem like it's such a black-and-white, open-shut moral issue of, like, oh, she knew a thing. She should go do something about it. It's like, well, there's so many layers of gray— that come into issues like that. And I think we should have a conversation about what the level of responsibility is for women in power. I think that that's a perfectly reasonable Mm -hmm. question, and I think it's good that we're talking about it and we're saying, okay, to what extent should Oprah have speaking out? Is it hypocritical of her to say this now and to not really have done anything or said anything on record in the past about serial abuse that was going on in her industry at the Mm -hmm. time? Well, to wrap up our Golden Globe segment, I will just say that I think we what we all can agree on is the fact that if Oprah actually does decide to run for president, she's going to face a lot of questions about these exact topics we're talking about today and, and many, she many more. Yeah. And actually, I loved that the Heritage Foundation, we got a new president at the beginning of the year, Kay Coles James. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. I look forward to everybody getting to know her and hopefully having her on the show soon in the future. But she tweeted, I have always admired and respected Oprah as a person. I welcome her to Heritage for substantive policy discussions and debates. So look, the door is open for Oprah to engage and debate policy. And in time, if she decides to run, maybe we'll get some answers to all of these questions. But for now, we're going to wrap our Golden Globe segment. We'll be back with more That Happened Rapid Fire.
and we're back in the next segment of Problematic Women. We're here to do another segment of That Happened, but this is going to be a rapid-fire edition. So a lot happened this week. We are going to just get into it, and let's start off with talking about Google's new fact-check feature and how it's basically targeting almost exclusively conservative media outlets, conservative websites uh, in this silly little fact-check that they are doing uh, in, in with the help, I should say, of Snopes, which I think is hilarious. And gets things wrong. <laughs> and gets <laughs> things right. Yeah. So uh, they're teaming up with this weird organization, Snopes, in order to fact check things that people have said or reported on or published. Um, and if you look, it's basically exclusively only fact checking conservative sites, which is hilarious. They did a couple of fact checks on us over at thefederalist.com, which is the publication that I write for. But the things that they decided to fact check us on were just like not true and their mm-hmm. fact checks of the facts were also wrong. Okay, so to give you guys <laughs> a quick example, I'm serious, it's so bad. I'm just going to give you guys a quick example and then get your guys' reactions. So Google and Snopes, uh, and if you look at the Federalist.com, this pops up now on like the right side of the sidebar, Snopes' little fact check, uh, claim Bill Clinton was expelled from Oxford University for raping a British classmate named Eileen Wellstone. Okay, and then their fact check of this is fact check by Snopes unproven. So if you click on the article that it's talking about and fact checking of the Federalist, it doesn't say that at all it doesn't say that he was expelled it just says that a classmate like accused him of um sexual assault in the 60s which and is then true it moves on which is true she did accuse him and that's all that this article said the article was so never article... speaking on behalf of the federals to say this is fact what happened the writer was simply saying this allegation came to light right right and, stated and didn't the say anything about whether or not he was expelled or whether or not he did do this it literally just said a classmate accused him okay which is factually 100 percent true uh so the fact check is wrong from start to finish, right? Like, it, it said that we said something that it didn't, and then it said fact check unproven. Like, what in the world is going on? This is just you know, one example. Brie, this was happening, uh, it happened to the Daily Caller bunch, too. I believe the editor-in-chief, Jeff Ingersoll, put out a very strongly worded piece that was the same issues you were facing. It was these Snopes facts ch- fact checks were fact checking things that weren't in the articles, like that that were not mentioned in any way, shape or form. And then you'd have this fact check saying that's wrong, but it was never in the article in the first place. And you have to sit back and wonder, like, what what is the point of this? Why and why all? Well, it might be an easy answer to make, but why almost exclusively conservative sites? OK, do you guys want to hear something so hilarious? Yes. All right. So are you guys really bad? Always from Brie. Do you, do you, are you guys familiar with Babylon Bee? No, the satirical. Okay, it's like the Onion, but it's like mm-hmm. a Christian version of the Onion, and I think mm-hmm. it's way funnier. So, okay, with the whole Snopes everything, a couple of months ago, Babylon Bee ran this story, which is a satirical website. It says Snope rates Babylon Bee world's most accurate news source, and then Snopes fact checked no. that article. I'm serious. <laughs> are you kidding? So it's like they're, they're like fact checking satire. Yes. Get out. So right, I'm so like, it's... why is this the organization that Google has decided to run with? This organization that can't take any criticism, can't take a joke, like fact checking satire. It's just so insane. And also, let's pretend that Snopes is like 
the arbiter of truth and pretend that it's the best thing in the world, right, for one second. How is there no inaccuracies or fact checks on any site that, why, how come Vox doesn't have a fact check? They get things wrong all the time. Or remember that time CNN had to fire a couple folks because they botched a story <laughs> yeah. so badly? Like, <laughs> And zero fact checks. So I think it's just very clearly... It's sad and, and actually dangerous because when you think about it, um, I'm thinking of my phone right now. When you ask Siri a question, Siri's now going to be relying on these type of Google fact checks. When Wait, you ask, really? How else does Siri get its answers? It I don't searches know. the web, oh, that's and so true. everything da- goes back to the to the web. And if this is what Google's saying, Google is just incredibly powerful, um, and I think we should all be concerned. And I hope they start fact checking themselves. Mm-hmm. But I want to move on. Rapid fire, right? Okay. Oh, sorry. I was um, like, this is going to go fast, guys, and then went on for 10 minutes. All right. All right. I want to bring you the story of an abortion gone horrifically wrong. And just to give you some context, uh, I, I know, you know, liberals hearing me bring attention to this story might say you're just trying to fear monger. And, um, you know, it's not fair to bring bring these types of stories up because they're so rare. But the fact is they might be rare, but they actually do happen. So this it was in Nebraska. A woman um, filed a medical mal- malpractice lawsuit against her abortion doctor for a 20 uh for abortion that occurred that she got in 2015 and according to LifeSite News her allegations were that the abortion doctor failed to remove part of the unborn baby's skull from oh. the woman's womb. Her gynecologist later found a four centimeter piece of the baby's skull cutting into her uterus and the woman is now alleging that she as a result cannot have children for the rest of her life and she was um she she is either has a partner or she's married the two names are they didn't use last names but jennifer and jason so this is somebody who was in a relationship and later went to have children and couldn't because of this abortion i think it's just really sad it's sad and it's scary. so it's so tragic and like on all sides and you were mentioning this earlier kelsey on all sides of the aisle this is just tragic and I don't think it's fair to say we can't bring up malpractice when it has to do with abortion because malpractice occurs in all aspects of medicine. And if it's happening, then it's worth being talked about. And acting like nothing can ever go wrong Yeah, How how many women are told when they go in to get an abortion that there is a tiny, tiny chance that something could be wrong and you will never be able to have children again? I imagine, you know, maybe you're signing off on a piece of paper, a long piece of paper that maybe says something like that. But I imagine, you know, the nearly a million women who get abortions every year in the United States, um, the majority of them know don't the know that. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean. I- well, and also, I think it's obvious that there's abortion clinics get away with this a lot. OK, we've seen Gosnell and plenty of other clinics that where I, I wrote a piece a couple of months ago about an abortion clinic where. Uh, an ambulance ha- was seen picking up people and driving them away like I think it was like 14 times in the same year so I think there is something to hey abortion clinics get away with things that other forms of medicine don't and we know that because legally there's a different standard that's applied to abortion clinics in a lot of states and that's uh, wrong agreed. you can read more about that story on LifeSite News 
Speaking of All right. more we, things. Are we rapid firing on yeah. mine? All right. So this happened on a TV show, Celebrity Big Brother in the UK. A uh, An R&B singer named Genuine uh, was attacked <laughs> as being transphobic because he rejected unwanted advances from a trans woman live on air. This boggles my mind. I mean, you have you have quotes from people taking to Twitter. God, I hate Twitter. Saying like, trans trans women are women too. You're a, you're a transphobic. Like just going after this guy in the most vile way, because get this, he rejected a sexual advance that was both unwanted and made him uncomfortable. What happened to consent? What happened right. to the whole Me Too movement? Like, yeah. you're you're now saying that. Because this person is trans, what you want sexually no longer matters. You have you have to acquiesce to what this person wants or you're a bigot. Yeah. And we see this all the time. Why is it that transgender individuals get like a completely different set of societal rules? Like right. why have, do we always throw away all the rules for everything? Because for these they people? have less privilege than us, Brie. <laughs> I know, but like why have we decided that this is the people group that gets all the you know, all the privilege right. points. Like, like why consent we... becomes irrelevant if someone right. is transgender. Like, well, it... your sexual preferences become irrelevant if someone's transgender. Like, anything that you want, it it's very just, disturbing, and, and honestly. And just to be clear, he's rejecting sexual advances from a biological man. Right. And But I, even, even, okay, this could be a woman. This could be any person. The point is that she she tried to hug him. She tried to kiss him live on air without any prompting, without asking, without giving any indication he didn't seem into it. There was zero indication that he would want this. And and this trans woman just went for it. So even if it was if it was a biological woman or or a man who is not trans, that's unwanted sexual right. advances. The end. Yeah. Don't air. don't, yeah. don't attack someone for being in their right to I, if you want to argue it, protect their body in a way that they're uncomfortable with. Like, how could you possibly attack someone for that? Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree with you, and I think it's completely ridiculous. Probably because, uh, as I wrote this down on my chick, chicken scratch earlier, it's essentially that the values and belief systems of liberals change depending on the situation. Oh, 100%. And right now with trans people, for whatever reason, they've decided that all the rules get thrown out the window with this group of people. And it's frustrating and super unfair Basic and completely case in ridiculous. Point, be respectful of people. Don't try to kiss someone if they don't want you to. <laughs> no yeah. matter their gender or gender identity. We'll leave it there. That wraps up our That Happened segment. We'll be right back to hear from Brie about her visit to the Holy Land. Are you going to... All right, Bree. So you just got off a long plane ride, but what from what I was seeing on your Instagram, it was a pretty incredible trip. Tell us why you were there, and tell us about the story that you published on the Federalist that everybody should go read. Sure. So I was over in Israel on a ten day trip with a group of journalism college students uh, on a bus of about thirty of them, and we took them all over the country. Saw a lot of really cool things um, and we kind of guided them along and are helping them write and publish stories about their experiences and things that they learned um, while they were 
there. So the story that I wrote, I wrote it with um, a, a girl who just graduated, actually, from Oklahoma Baptist University. Congratulations gonna, to her. Yeah, and she's going to intern at the Pulitzer Center here in D.C. So we teamed up and wrote a feature about a woman who we met when we visited the Gaza Envelope, um, who, which, okay, the Gaza border uh, separates Israel from Gaza, and there's a lot of Israelis who, um, after... All the Israeli settlements were pushed out of the Gaza region in 2005. They still live in what's now called the Gaza Envelope, which is, sorry about that, which is really near the border wall separating these two uh, lands that are separated by two political, controlled by two different political entities. Um, On the Gaza side of things, you have Hamas, which is a terrorist organization basically running the show, and they're... Uh, exploiting the people that they're supposed to represent. They're supposed to be helping the Palestinian people. They don't do that. What they are doing, in effect, is they're firing rockets uh, from hospitals, from schools, and from people's houses. So, in response, it's really difficult for IDF to retaliate, right? How do you retaliate when someone is firing rockets from a school without killing all the children inside? How do you do that? Um, And so, what often happens is that they can't... They have the Iron Dome, which stops about 90%. Um, Can you explain what the Iron Dome is? Sure. So it's like an anti... I want to say it's like an anti-aircraft system, but it's... um, targeting missiles so it's sort of like remember when we remember the cold war when it, does we it catch had them, like in the air it, it intercepts them it well okay it doesn't catch them it sends like another rocket that c- explodes really close to the one coming over it so in effect they're colliding although they're not really colliding doesn't and that it, still run the risk of these really heavy materials falling from the air yeah, but it's not. Civilians. But it's not a rocket. Oh yeah, I mean it's, you know? it's, it's better. So but it I, intercepts them. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's still it's a better risk. than it hitting a building. Yes. Yeah. So but. yeah, particles are falling down, and it's still like this awful, terrible thing. Um, and we got to talk to a woman who has had to live with rocket fire at her almost continually for the past twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. So this started oh, in two thousand one. Uh, and rocket firing is still happening today. I mean, we pulled up and the tour guide was like, hey, so uh, I'm not joking. This is serious. If you hear the sirens go off, you have 15 seconds to get to a bomb shelter. And if you can't get to a bomb shelter in that amount of time, just drop to the floor and like put your hands on the back of your head and hope wow. for the best. And so we were like, all right, this is pretty wild. We pull up. All the bus stations are made out of like fortified concrete that double as bomb shelters. Um, and the nearby town of Sterot, uh, where a, a four-year-old boy was actually killed because of a, a, a rocket fired by Hamas a couple of years ago. The playground equipment doubles as bomb shelters also, so Think children can run inside. Think how depressing that is, that your playground doubles as a bomb shelter. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So we talked about her and her story um, and we wrote a feature piece on what she's lived through and just the situation as a whole. Um, so that's what I wrote over at the Federalist. If someone wanted to go check it out, how how would they get to it? Yeah. So if you, I'll just read you the headline. It's meet the Israeli mother who defies Hamas by living in the Gaza envelope, and it talks about her life, raising her kids, watching her one year old son who she just taught how to walk, running to a bomb shelter when he was like wow. a year and a half. Yeah. What is your it's biggest? Pretty wild. What is your? Biggest takeaway from your time in Israel? From my time in Israel. 
Um, okay, so it's a little... I think I had a better understanding for the need um, for there to be a Jewish state for a group of people that have been historically persecuted everywhere throughout all of history. Um, I think it was eye-opening to see the real risks and threats that they're living under, you know, just all the time um, and what that looks like. But I also gained a greater I don't want to say appreciation, but a greater awareness of how much Palestinian people are suffering also, right? I mean, you have in East Jerusalem, even, they're living in conditions that are not the same as Israeli families. Um, It's a really difficult situation, and it's honestly heartbreaking for everyone involved. Um, And even talking to people that live there also, they don't really know what the solution is or how to bring about peace. So, yeah, just seeing all of that close up was eye-opening. Sounds heartbreaking. I would highly recommend. um, I went to Israel a few years ago, and I had the very similar experience to you. It's it's incredibly eye-opening. I think it's at times hard for Americans to understand just how small and close together everything is over there. You know, we have we have enormous states like Texas and Montana. We don't understand just how close everyone is. And I I highly encourage if anyone can take a trip to Israel to definitely do it. I think it's an important experience to have. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think now it's time. It's time. That was quite a downer of a segment, but I think it's really important. And I'm very glad you went there and were able to bring it back and share some of that with our listeners. Kelsey, there's one more thing. So, um, Brie, what's your Instagram handle so they can see? Oh, right. Your pictures. (laughs) My trip. Okay. So my Instagram handle is at BC Payton, I think. I'm not as active on Instagram, (laughs) but y'all should follow me. Yeah. Over there. Check out her cool Israeli pictures. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's bring up the energy here. It is that time of the week to name our problematic woman of the week. This week, Bray, you want to have the sure, honors? I'll do it. I'll have the honors. Let's let Katie do it, actually, since you're mm. the guest. Name her. Name her problematic one woman. One Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> That's a bad woman. <laughs> Quite problematic. She's Why? apparently spanking her three-year-old daughter, River, and people have opinions about that. Lots of opinions. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people think it's violence uh, yeah, and um, other terrible things. They just, I mean, child. they're saying it's child abuse. They're calling her ignorant. They're saying that spanking promotes violence. And uh, while I don't believe that's true i i struggle with the issue because i i don't want to relate it to my experience of being spanked as a kid and being like well i turned out fine because maybe (laughs) maybe maybe someone didn't turn out fine when that happened and there's studies saying it's not great but at the same time i i don't i really think that you should parent how you want to parent yeah and we should is what that comes down to stop mommy shaming and i mean she's essentially saying in this i believe that she was her child's behavior has improved because she's like, look, if you do this thing, this is going to be the reaction. This is going to be the consequence. Her child does that thing. There's a consequence. Next time it happens, she says, if you do this thing, this will be the consequence. And it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah. She apparently warns River before spanking. 
Uh, is River River a boy or a girl? I'm not is quite it? sure. That's quite a gender neutral <laughs> name, so I, I don't want to. I don't want to make any assumptions there. Um, oh, but it the, is. It's River is a girl because it says girl. she doesn't do that kind okay. of stuff as often. So. Um, so Kelly Clarkson grew up in Texas, and I guess this all started when she went on a radio show and said, I'm from the South, y'all, so we get spankings. My mom would call the principal if I ever ended up in the principal's office and give permission for her to spank me. I'm a well-rounded individual with a lot of character, so I think it's fine. Hot I, take. <laughs> I, I mean, good for Kelly Clarkson for speaking up. I mean, look, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I guess I'm kind of with you, Katie. I have not looked too much into the studies, although I know there are some studies that, you know, suggest maybe it's not the best thing to spank your child. But I, I would assume that the negative the the negative reactions that come out of that parents are just taking it way too far it's not a little harmless spank something more i imagine something more is going on there um because i I really don't see how you know a little harmless punishment now and then can can well and what i i feel like it's it's um kind of a reaction from from a parenting style now that's like literally and and completely hands off in the sense that like you're not allowed to criticize your kids you're not allowed to discipline them they're delicate flowers and nothing bad can ever happen to them and then guess what happens to a kid that's raised like that they're a terror they need discipline that's what parents are for and and this idea that like you can't you know you can't do anything that ever makes your child unhappy in any way is not going to develop well-rounded adults yeah i mean life is tough and they need to learn that honestly and just speaking at this from a practical standpoint i've often been like oh i'm not gonna spank my kids when i grow up when i would get spanked right like this is awful i'm never doing this to them but can you guys name a form of punishment that's as easy and like quick to do if you want to put them in time out like that takes a lot of discipline as a parent to decide I'm going to put my child in timeout and make sure that they stay there and aren't having playing with any toys. Um, I mean, timeout is just like it's a time commitment for the parent. And if you just want to quickly discipline them, like that's a really fast way to do it. And they get the lesson and it's over. Children have been getting spanked for centuries. So <laughs> I think they'll be OK. And everybody just needs to chill out a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. Well, that wraps up our wonderful show this week. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you know problematic woman, please don't be shy in letting us know. You can follow my work at The Daily Signal and on Twitter at Kelsey J. Harkness. And you can follow my work over on Twitter at Brie underscore Payton. And for the wonderful Katie Freitas, you can follow my Twitter at at the world's Freitas. This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and The Federalist and is produced by Lauren Evans of The Daily Signal. You can tweet segment ideas to her at Lauren Liz Evans. If you like this podcast, please support us by rating us and subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you sharing Problematic Women with your friends and supporting strong conservative women who are standing up for America's culture.